0: Especially, You guys know, or some of you may know, some of you may not know, uh, my wife and I, we were missionaries for years, and we saw different parts of the world, how the church functions. And one of the things that we do, as and, and I would say this, if you may not have been born in America, but you have an American mindset being here, and it's one of consumerism, where we, we love to get what we like. We can go church shopping, you know, what I mean, we can find a church that we like, you know, some places in the world, they, they, they don't even have a church to go to. And so we, we're very, I don't want to say spoiled, because it's a blessing. It's a really, a God blessed our, our nation that we can have access to all these things. And so what I'm saying is to remember that some of the things that we do is not a just, just about what we can get from it. It's what we can give to those around us. It's what we can give to those that are in need, especially those that are broken and hurting in those communities. So I just wanted to share that with, I just wanted to share that with you guys so you know what's going on in those areas. And um, also the NWLA 101, I'm excited for it. We're gonna go through, uh, there's a lot of things that, even if you've been a Christian for a while, we're gonna go over some things that just help you understand and help you have more clarity. So it's going to be good. It's going to be an area where we can be challenged and grow from it. Well, or at least I hope. <laughs> all right. Yes, yeah, that's the hope there. Uh, let's pray before we go further. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can be here today. We are so grateful for the seats we are sitting on, for the roof over our heads. Lord, we are mindful of all of our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world that cannot do this, that cannot meet them and publicly worship the name of Jesus and and read the word out loud. And so, Lord, we pray for them today, for all those that are persecuted, all those that cannot do this publicly, Holy Spirit, be with them. Encourage them. Let them know that their brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world are praying for them, that they are not forgotten. And so, Lord, we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, today with us, that as we read your word, that you would give us the understanding. Jesus, we declare you as Lord over this church, over this message, and over our lives. And we thank you for all you have done, all you are doing, and all you are going to do. In your holy name we pray, amen. So I want to jump into this series. This is a very big subject, okay? So prayer is not something that's just very simple and like, oh, once you learn this, you're done. So I want to jump into this, and if there's anything you can walk away with, it would be this sentence. Prayer is request from a humbled heart. Prayer is request from a humbled heart. Now you'll find as we read through this and begin to understand that there is a definite place we pray from, and there is a way we pray, okay? Prayer is a big topic, like I said, and this series will not exhaust everything about it. We're not going to go through every detail. There are some great books you can read to find out more information. If something intrigues you, I encourage you, learn about prayer. But we're going to learn some basics and some understanding of where, what we're trying to do and how we're, we're understanding prayer. So I want you to think of the topic of prayer like the ocean, okay? I want you to think of it like the ocean you have this, this entrance part, right, that you, you get to the beach and there's the sand before you get to the water, right? That's, that's like the normal beach. You, you get out of your car, you walk on the sand, and in summer, which is coming pretty quickly, you know, uh, in some seasons that sand is hot. <laughs> you know, it's hard to get to the water. If you're walking barefooted, man, your feet are burning, right? So, so I want you to picture this idea of prayer that just getting to the prayer itself, just getting to pray can sometimes be a challenge. Whether it be just time, you don't have the time, right? Or or all of a sudden, everything else becomes a necessity. Like, it's like, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to put aside, you know, uh, 20 minutes to pray today. And then all of a sudden, Man, your phone's going off, You know, your family's in chaos, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, everything's going crazy, and that's kind of the challenge of getting to prayer, right? In some seasons, like I said, that sand is hot, and it is a challenge just to get to the water. Once you get to the water, you have this area that water has touched that is muddy, right? And it's different, it's cooler, you know, it's refreshing. You get there and it feels different. And the sand is, is a little bit muddy, it's, it's saturated with the water, and that's a different place. And, and some of us, we may feel like, like, I know how to pray, but we might not be touching the water yet. We might be just in, in that place that is refreshing, it does feel cool, we, you know, we like it, but we're not yet in the water. And then, once you get to the water, you, you can feel the effects of the water, and you walk out into the water and you have an area that you can walk out into and your feet get wet, right? You're, you're now feeling the water, it's cold, you know, the waves are coming ashore and start, and then you walk a little bit further out, you're maybe you know waist deep, and the waves are hitting you, and it's and it's just different. And prayer is like that. You go deeper, you go deeper in prayer. But this is the thing, you have to recognize that. Because you have to understand that there's also some deep water, and if you don't know how to swim, it can be dangerous. (laughs) Some of the conversations that people have on prayer are so ignorant. It's almost like, yeah, I know what prayer is, and then you share something, and it's like, that's not even in the Bible. (laughs) You're quoting the Dalai Lama. (laughs) You're quoting some other religious uh, uh, person or, or leader. That's not even teaching from the Bible. You know, you're praying to the wrong things. And so the reality is what I'm trying to say to you is prayer is, is shallow enough to understand. You can walk in, you can, you can know what it is and get comfortable in it, but it also has some depth that you can dive in. This is prayer. And I'm wanting you to understand this because like I said, we're not going to go over every single topic of prayer. You might get on TikTok or Instagram, and you'll hear people talking about prayer, oh, you know, this and that, you know, blah, 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 this and that, and you're just, like, trying to, like, understand it. Main thing would be this. You have to start from the sand, right? You have to go into it. You're not going to dive in and know how to swim if you don't understand prayer. Much like the ocean, there are moves of God that come like waves. Okay? Okay? That come through no action of your own. Some things, some things God just does, and you and you may think, well, it's because I prayed, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna mess with your theology a little bit. That may not be the reason why. God may have just moved, and you happen to pray. Prayer, let me let me give you a blanket statement. Okay, this is a blanket statement. This is for you to walk away with and kind of. Know that that is true. Prayer is not about controlling God. Okay? You don't pray to tell God what to do. That's not prayer. As a matter of fact, that's more likened to witchcraft than prayer. We don't control God. You know, we don't say, God, put a million dollars in my account right now. If you don't do it, this and this and this. We don't control God. We, we don't tell him what to do. Sometimes the only action we take is to go in the water, but it is a move of God to cause a wave, to cause a move, to cause something that happens. It doesn't come because we came into the water. The waves were already coming. See, prayer is walking in and understanding what God is already doing. It's not so that we can say, God, do this in my life. It's to say, Lord, what are you doing? How do I align myself with who you are and what you want? The more time you spend in the ocean, the more you recognize some of the signs, right? If if you're a surfer or if you you know about waves or riptides, you can read the water. You can see like, oh, that's a riptide. We can't go into the water there. You know, or, or there's a big storm coming, which means larger waves, right? You begin to understand the function of the ocean. And as time goes on in prayer, you, the more you become accustomed to prayer, the more you become familiar with what God is saying and what he's doing. And, that, and that's prayer, submitting ourselves to say, Lord, what are you doing? What, what is going on? You know, how do I become part of what you are doing? Let's be clear, though, okay? Before we go further. God is not the ocean. (laughs) God is not in the ocean. These are just, it's just a metaphor or analogy of prayer. An example. I'm not saying you got to go to the ocean to pray. That's, I'm not saying that, okay? God is not the ocean. God is not in the ocean. It's a metaphor or analogy for prayer, okay? I want to give to you some quotes here. This is Charles Spurgeon and the notes are available on the, uh, you can click it in the you version Bible app, it's also available on Instagram. You hit a link there. Charles Spurgeon says this, It is well said that neglected prayer is the birthplace of all evil. It is well said that neglected prayer is the birthplace of all evil. He also says prayer itself is an art which only the Holy Ghost can teach us. He is the giver of all prayer. Pray for prayer. Pray till you can pray. The Holy Ghost can teach us. C.S. Lewis says this, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping, it doesn't change God, it changes me. This is a very big one for prayer. Like I said, we don't control God. We don't change God. We ask God to change us, change our perspective on the situation help us to see it the way you see it lord c.s lewis says this for prayer is request the essence of request as distinct from compulsion is that it may or may not be granted and that's one of the things that we must understand as christians we are saying lord not my will but your will and so what happens is we have to understand it's a request to say lord I'm asking of this. I'm asking you for this. And he can say no. And the humbled heart can receive that no. You know, when I was growing up, as far as I can remember, I remember my dad praying. I was taught to pray, not by my dad telling me to pray. That's not how I learned to pray. But I saw him praying. That's the thing. We can, in our homes, our children are big uh, witnesses and testimonies of our prayer life. You know, if if you're never praying and you're telling your kids or you're telling your family members you should pray, well, they don't know how because they've never seen you do it. Don't feel guilty on that. I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. We're going to go somewhere with this. And I've sat in meetings in many different nations. I've sat with my dad. You know, we've traveled. I went to South Africa with him, went to Europe, you know, went to all over different places. Had These meetings with all these various leaders and pastors. And you know how we ended most of those meetings? It was prayer. It was literally not, not even given a choice. <laughs> my dad would be talking with them and, and literally like, and then just starts praying. And everybody that loved Jesus, every single one of them, was like, yes, <laughs> let's do it. Because prayer brings us together, not in our own unity, but under the unity of our heavenly Father. And so prayer takes us into a larger place. It widens our understanding as a whole. You can learn about prayer, but you will learn to pray by praying, okay, okay? You, you can learn, read, and everything, but the only way you truly grasp it is to actually pray. And like I said, it's difficult at times. It's a challenge to pray sometimes. You will teach others to pray by praying. When things are good, pray. Okay? When things are good, that's, it's, let, let me remind you, when things are going good, sometimes we forget to pray. When things are going good, we, we think or we, we are absent-minded of all that God has allowed to happen in order for us to be in that moment. So when things are good, pray. When things are hard, pray. You know, the prayer of, of thanking God, just when you wake up, you know, uh, I, I saw a meme or something, like, uh, uh, you know, men, some men don't understand the value of just sitting at home and eating food in your kitchen. <laughs> Something like that. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. There are these moments when you just sit at home and you're like, hey, life is good. (laughs) You know, I I got food in my fridge. You know, I I was able to sit down in in a chair in my home. You know, like these moments when things are good, pray. When things are hard, pray. Now, I want you to understand this. Jesus did not give us a script of what to pray. And this is the biggest difference between Catholicism and what is uh, mainline Christianity. Catholicism teaches us a script. They give us a prayer to recite. So it's essentially something that we're given a text and we repeat the prayer. And I'm not, I'm not hating on it, but what I am saying, because so most of it does come from the Bible, well, some of it. But what I'm saying is this, Jesus himself did not give us a script. He, he gave us, he did not give us what to pray. He gave us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer, most of us are familiar with it or we've heard it. But what's happened is we've turned it into this repetitious prayer that has no meaning. And again, prayer has depth. If we understood prayer, we will understand that prayer has meaning. So he gave us the formula of how to pray. And as we know, prayer is request from a humbled heart. You can find the Lord's Prayer in two places in the Bible. Luke 11, 1 through 4, and Matthew 6, 5 through 14. Now, our text for this whole series is going to be based out of Luke 11, 1 through 4. So we're going to read that. I'm reading NASB, New American Standard. It says this, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation. So I want to break this down a little bit, okay? I want to look at this scripture. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Let's look at this really quickly, okay? I have a list of scriptures and we talk about miracles, right? Mark's, Mark 8, 8:22 through 25. And I just put it's just a reference you guys can go read about it later. But in this he he heals a blind man. Jesus heals a blind man. It's a miracle. He lays his hands on him and the man is healed. Mark 8:22 through 25. Now, the miraculous thing in this is actually if you I watched a documentary on. they're trying to give this guy, he's blind, and they did a surgery, and they basically wanted to help him see again. Now, they had some minor success. They said, he can actually see. And this scripture, Mark 8, 22 through 25, Jesus takes this man, he heals him, he takes him out of the city, and he says, tell me what you see. And the man says, I see men walking as trees. So basically, his vision wasn't clear, okay? His vision wasn't entirely Clear, He could see something, but he wasn't sure exactly what he could see. So Jesus takes him out. But I was watching this documentary. It was a group of scientists trying to restore sight. They said the technology is easily becoming available in which they can repair retinas. Retinas can be easily repaired. And the other issues that prohibit eyesight. However, the brain is actually trained as we grow. There's a neurological development, right? Our vision is captured by our eyes, but the information is interpreted through our brain. So our brain is programmed through years of growth and development. So in essence, you can heal someone's eyes, but the brain has to be programmed in order for them to fully be able to have sight. So here you have this miracle where Jesus takes this man, he walks him out, and he says, tell me what you see. The man says, oh, I see men as trees walking. Like, it's all blurry. It's really not really there. And then Jesus lays hands on him again. He's fully, he can fully see. So this miracle was a full-on miracle where this man, not only his eyesight was healed, but his brain developed the pathways to see. So here you have Jesus, right? He prays, and, and this guy's healed. And then in Mark 6:34, you see that Jesus, he truly loves people. And Mark 6:34 talks about the compassion He had on the people. And, and it, He truly loved people, which is miraculous because some of us barely love ourselves. <laughs> That's the truth. It's, it's difficult for us to love others because we barely love ourselves. But Jesus, this miraculous thing, was that he loved people. He truly loved them. And then Mark uh, 6, 35 through 44, he feeds over 5,000 people miraculously. Okay, that miracle right there, I know that a bunch of Latinos would be like, Lord, teach me that miracle, I got a big family. (laughs) Right? Like, make make the meat multiply. (laughs) I'll pay for the beans and rice and the tortillas, but you have to make the meat multiply, God. It's expensive. (laughs) You know, like, some of us begin around, Jesus, Jesus, teach me that miracle. I want to learn that one. You know, he prophesied to people. In John 4, 17 through 19, he prophesies to this lady, speaks into her life. He knows her history, and he knows the things that she doesn't share with him. She, she holds something back, right? She doesn't share something with him. And he says, also this, that you didn't share. So we know that Jesus was miraculous just in the way he walked. In Matthew 17, 27, he made money appear in a fish. (laughs) I don't know if you guys ever read that one. Matthew 17, 27. He makes money appear in a fish's mouth. He tells one of the disciples, go fishing. They go fishing, they pull a fish out, and there's money in that fish. And, and the funny thing is, all these miracles are going on. He made the smartest men seem like novices. In John 7, 14 through 15, we read about, about the middle of the feast. Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? They were marveled at him. They were like, how does he know this when he didn't go to school? So you have all of these miracles. And, and there's more, right? But I'm giving you an example of what was going on. You had Jesus and the way he was moving about the city and the things that he was doing and the things that people were seeing and hearing of and people were speaking of what Jesus has done and and they saw him, they saw the miraculous things with their own eyes. And can you imagine that, walking with Jesus and seeing these miracles in front of you? That'd be crazy. You'd be like blown away, right? So seeing that, and it's strongly considered that one of the 72 that he sent out Asked the question when they returned. They asked him to teach him to pray, teach them to pray. But the amazing thing is this out of all the miracles, out of everything that Jesus had done, out of everything that people had spoken of, out of everything that people were aware of, they asked, Teach us to pray. They didn't say, Teach us how to do miracles. They said, Teach us to pray. So I have to give the emphasis here. We must understand it is not the miraculous that we're after. We're not after the miraculous. We're not. Jesus talks about how the, the, uh, a wicked and evil generation seeks after signs and wonders. But the scripture teaches us that the disciples said, Teach us to pray. Learn to value prayer. I will tell you right now, in every, every single church, every single Christian that you will come across, their, their biggest battles were not won when a pastor came and put their arm around them and said, it's going to be okay. Their biggest battles were not won when there was an amazing worship service. Their biggest battles were won in prayer to say, Lord, help me. Help me. I need you. That's a Christian in any church, in any context, will come to a place to say uh, uh, prayer is the most valuable thing we have. In verse 2, it says this, and he said to them, when you pray, say. Okay, so here we have Jesus He begins to to teach and instruct us on how to pray. Now, we can gather some solid truths from this verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say, one when the word when signals a practice of not a suggestion to i would i would do an injustice to you if i said to, if i said to you uh, you know pray just you know whenever you feel like it that's not what jesus said he said when you pray not if or maybe he said when okay so it's it's when not if you get a chance If you claim to be a Christian, you should pray. Not just over your food. (laughs) You should pray. It should be part of your lifestyle. This is what Jesus was was, uh, referencing or inferring. He was saying that we should pray. And he says, Father, hallowed be your name. Now this is important as well. When we pray, we address the Father. We address the Father, not the mother, not the universe, not our precious saints. We are not praying to anyone or anything else but the Father. That's what Jesus taught us. He said, pray to the Father, Father in heaven. That's who we pray to. There is no other power. There is no power in any other name that you pray. We say, Father. And then we say, hallowed be your name. And again, this is not the script. This is the how. We're we're coming to the Father and we're saying hallowed, which means greatly revered and honored. So we're saying, Father, who we honor, who we place under great reverence. I'm in reverence and awe of who you are, Father. That's prayer. We place ourselves in that place to say, God in heaven, Father in heaven, and we say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means greatly revered and honored. You cannot pray that way if your heart is filled with pride. You can't. It's difficult. And then he says, your kingdom come. And this is the one that you will have, all of us, including myself, we have the hardest time with. Your kingdom come is the submission to God's will. That's That's hard. Submission to God's will. Your kingdom come. A kingdom being invited into our life is not a small request. It's not something small. When we say your kingdom come, it's not a flippant thought of saying just like, you know, whatever you want, God. It's literally inviting the entire kingdom into our life. What we are saying is all that you are and all that are with you have permission to be involved in my life. Your kingdom come is a difficult one because that means whatever you desire, Lord, because I am part of your kingdom. I submit to who you are. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Now this one is important too because a lot of times what we I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in planning and being strategic and approaching life and everything you can do, but the reality is this. All of our plans, all of our ideas for the future have to be submitted to God. Like if we're planning, you know, uh, you know this, maybe this has happened to you where maybe you were saving up some money and God spoke to you to give it away. Maybe that's happened to you and God spoke to you to give it away, right? This is something where we're submitting ourselves to to God's will, but then we're looking at Scripture and it says, give us each day our daily bread. He's saying, pay attention to today. Trust me for today. Give us each day our daily bread. Prayer places us in the present. It places us in the now Not to say we shouldn't pray for the future, but we should pray for the now. What are the needs now? What are your concerns now or today? Not 10 years from now. Prayer places in the now saying, Lord, I need some help with this now. Lord, I have this now. What do you want me to do with it? We're placing ourselves under the mindset of who our king is and his kingdom. And then verse 4 and forgive us our sins. Now this one's big, forgive our sins. This is important because sometimes we forget we're sinners. Sometimes we pray and and we we think, I'm going to pray for this person because they're they're going through it. They're struggling. I'm going to pray for this person because, you know, they're just weak right now. And the reality is this. We forget that we ourselves are sinners. And we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins first. And I know you're angry. I know sometimes you can pray the angry prayers. You're like, Lord, get them. (laughs) Get them. (laughs) You're just angry. uh. But you have to stop and say, Lord, I'm sinful. And I know that person, they're they're horrible. They're sinful. You know, they don't belong in church. You know, (laughs) you just go off. It's like a list of why all these things, why they're bad. You know, but the reality is this. You come to that place to say, Lord, I'm also a sinner, and I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in your grace. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I'm so thankful you saved me. And this is what the scripture is saying, and forgive us of our sins. Acknowledging before God that we remember and acknowledge that we have sin that tries to creep in daily. But God can forgive us, and that's why we pray every day. We pray, Lord, help us. And it says, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You can't forgive others without knowing you've been forgiven. He said again, you can't forgive others without knowing you've been forgiven. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. We need to forgive everyone else. Now, briefly, we're not going to go too much into that, but briefly, forgiveness is not permission to come back in 100%. And you know, I've said that before. Some of you, some of you have been hurt greatly damaged there's been trauma that uh you know people have brought into your life and the reality is this you forgive them but that doesn't mean they have permission to come back into the place they were you put boundaries to say look i'm forgiving them but they're not coming into my home again (laughs) they're not they don't you know i blocked their number if you need to block them on social media that's fine but forgive them forgive them Okay, that's the point here. Forgive ourselves and forgive everyone who's indebted to us, for we ourselves need forgiveness. One professor said, we do not understand the power of God and prayer if we do not recognize the forgiveness that God has given us. We say that again. One professor said, we do not understand the power of God and or prayer if we do not recognize the forgiveness that God has given us. And then, and do not lead us into temptation. Do not lead us into temptation. It implies this. There is a trust in the sovereignty and leadership of our Father in heaven. There is a trust. Okay, this do not lead us into temptation places us in that place to say, Lord, I'm following you. Please don't lead me in a place that I'll mess up. Help me, Lord. Help me. You know, you ever pray just, Lord, help me. I don't want to do something wrong. And you were going to go somewhere, and your car breaks down. <laughs> and you're like, oh, the devil's trying to get me. No, maybe God was saying, I'm keeping you out of that temptation. You know, there's, there's moments in your life where you just say, Lord, help me to not go into the place that would destroy all that you have done. Help me, Lord. And then, you know, everything goes crazy, and <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, God. <laughs> No, but what I'm saying is you're placing yourself into the sovereignty and trust of who God is and his leadership for our lives. Prayer is request from a humbled heart. Prayer is request from a humbled heart. Luke uh, 11, 1 through 4 in the message uh, translation says this. One day he was praying in a certain place when he finished One of his disciples said, Master, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said, When you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. And and like I said, this isn't a script, but it is a how, it's the formula. Okay, some of you, you may say like, I remember the first time I ever heard a lady do that, I tripped out, I was like, what is she doing? <laughs> I, was, I was maybe like 13 years old, and we always like, said like, Heavenly Father, that's how we started praying, right? Heavenly Father. And this lady goes, Dear Papa. And I was like, Papa, who the heck is Papa? <laughs> you know? But in her heart, it was really her father. It, that's how she prayed. And I was just like, who's she talking to? Like I was tripping out, but then as I heard, I was like, man, no, she, she legitimately is talking to our Father in heaven. And what I'm saying to you is as we understand how to pray, we know the formula, we begin to personalize it and say, like, Lord, Father, Heavenly Father. But we have clear theology that helps us in Scripture. It's not Father Jesus. It's not Father Holy Spirit, right? It's Father, Father. We're not praying to anybody else. Okay, Billy Graham says this, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me or help me. This is Billy Graham, one of the most well-known evangelists in the world. And this is what he, he quotes on, on prayer. He has to go to God, sometimes with deep discouragement. A guy who's done huge events, sat with the queen, you know, preached to the queen of England. And here he's saying, in prayer, I have my moments of deep discouragement. Understand, you will be discouraged. As a Christian, life is not perfect, all happy, dandy, things are, you know, flowers in the field, everybody's holding hands and singing songs. Sometimes it's hard, you're discouraged, you feel empty, you feel broken, you feel like, why God, why? And you go to him in prayer. You go to him in prayer. Charles Spurgeon says this, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Oswald Chambers says this, prayer does not fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. We think of prayer as a common sense exercise of our higher powers in order to prepare us for God's work. In the teaching of Jesus Christ, prayer is the working of the miracle of redemption in me, which produces the miracle of redemption in others by the power of God. Let me say it like this. The, the, the course of a service, like so the way we do church, okay, we, we come together, we open up in prayer we do our worship, we do a a fellowship time of of just connecting, and then we come back, we do some announcements, and then we have the sermon, and then we have what's uh, the ending, the invitation time. This is a time of prayer. This is one of our most valued times. One of our most valued times. Because it's all leading up to that moment. That's why Pastor Mancha usually does it. Because we value that time. We honor that time. We say, Lord, all of this is coming to this place of prayer to have transaction with you, Heavenly Father. Revelation 3.20 says this, and this is for us as a church. You know, if, if we can read this and understand this and grasp this, this is for us as a church. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This, this is an important scripture because... What happens is, this is usually referenced in salvation. We, we hear this, that, that God's wanting to be in communion with you, to be in community with you, to walk and talk with you. But this, he says, it's, it's more about the church. This, this was written to the church in Laodicea. The church in Laodicea was given this text that God stands outside. Can you imagine understand something, we can have a church, we can have church, and God standing outside. And and he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. A healthy church is in fellowship with God. He's not knocking outside, waiting for someone to hear him and let him in. A healthy church has opened the door and said, Lord, we, we want you in with us. In the message version, it says this, uh, in verse 20 through 21, Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me, call and open the door. I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my Father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Jesus, he's there in this place. God's standing outside the door saying, let me in with you. And how do we let him in? Not just into our church, but into our lives. We pray. We pray. Two things that you'll grow with two things, if you put them together and walk daily with them prayer and the Bible. If you read your Bible every day and you pray every day, you will grow. There's other areas that that go along with that, especially community with other believers. That's part of what the Bible teaches you. But those two things coupled together, if you walk in confidence knowing that God in heaven has put these things so that we can grow and be good Christians, we will understand he doesn't have to knock at our front door at home. He'll come in and sit with us. That's what he says. I'll come in. You know, if you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Now, it's not a literal translation of like he's going to come sit down, and, you know, have food with you. But what he's saying is I'll come in and I'm going to be there with you guys. I'm going I'm to be there with you. And prayer as a request from a humbled heart is, is desiring that. That's that's all of us here today. If you don't desire that fellowship or communion with our Heavenly Father, uh, with Jesus, uh, with the Holy Spirit in our homes, if we don't desire these things, we're aiming at the wrong things. We're desiring the wrong things. You can't make a request from God while being prideful. You can't submit to God's will and His plan if He is not your Lord and Savior. You can't forgive others without remembering how you were forgiven. I'm going to ask Brother Melvin to come back up. I, I want, Let's stand. I'm going to just pray. I'm going to read one more quote, the same quote again that we read earlier. But I'm going to read this quote, then I want to just hand it over to Pastor Mancha. But I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to consider what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, It is well said that neglected prayer is the birthplace of all evil. I can tell you right now, when you fail to pray, you fail to have relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this is the place that you will be hurt. This is the place that you will get, you will allow chaos If you pray, if you come to that place of prayer, of calling on our Father in heaven, he will answer you. Let's just keep our eyes closed right now.